Hello, everyone, and welcome to From the Cheap Seats, your favorite podcast for frank, unapologetic, and shamelessly opinionated Washington National News. Outside the press box, the dugout, and the very informative stadium urinals. My name is Thad Helsley, and I'm here with the future head of the Baseball Hall of Fame, Cassia. And our AI guest host and charm school graduate, Bernice. Kiss my silicon chip ass, Mr. Halkley. So, Cassie and Bernice, we, uh, what an exciting <laughs> week. Uh, we had some other things we were going to do, but I think everything changed when there was the abrupt firing of pitching coach Derek Lilliquist um, after the win uh, against uh, St. Louis. And he was replaced by unknown Paul Menhart, previously the minor league pitching coordinator for the Nats. So obviously the bullpen had been struggling, and you could argue some heads would roll. But this change is a bit of a head scratcher. What do you think? Um, I think it's bad. <laughs> we needed a change to the pitching staff. Obviously, the, the pitching is a total disaster. There needed to be a change, but I don't think that this guy was to blame for what was wrong. Um, I, as Steven Strasberg said in the article in the Washington Post, every guy is their own pitching coach. And the, right. the reason they're failing is not because of this coach. Again, and because they hired someone. They didn't hire someone good. They didn't bring in a ringer. They didn't bring in an amazing coach who's like, before and after, like, house-flipping these people into amazing pitchers. No, no, no. They hired a guy who has no fucking clue what he's doing, and he's just going to spend, like, the next the rest of the season just, like, figuring out, like, how to use his parking pass. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> it's like, he does, he's not going to help us. Okay, I, look at it, look at it. Just, okay, if this okay. article speaks for it, yeah. fucking self. The new voice, the new voice, again, Davey is saying, Davey is saying about, about the firing of the pitching coach exactly what everyone is thinking needs to happen to Davey. He killed this guy as a way of saving his own life. This was some Shakespearean backstabbing Okay, but do you think shit. this is an actual Davey decision or a Mike decision? I don't, I don't think it's a Davey decision, but Davey. Davey, but Davey has to come out in his boring press conference and say something. No, he does. He throws his buddy. He says he's one of my best friends, and I threw him under Typical, the bus. Typical. Okay, this is like Mikey and Nikki. This is some <laughs> shit. We wanted a new voice and a new face, somebody to relay the message in a different way. Couldn't have said it better myself, Davey, about you. We want you to go. You're the problem. When you, you're the old face, you're the old voice that says everything in the same boring damn way. We don't need a new pitching coach because I think the guy was probably fine. I don't know what pitching coaches do, to be honest, except for just, like, walk out there and, like, wave their hands around and, like, pat them on the butt and be like, good job, son. I don't know what they do. I don't either. Um, you know, the one of the things that the article said was, so the quote-unquote best pitching coach in the league was Mike Maddox, and he always worked for Dusty Baker. So yeah, when he Dusty was good. Came I liked on, him. And he came with Dusty, but he always went where Dusty went because they were just inseparable. And, of course, he was very good. We got in the playoffs twice, you know, broke league records and everything else. But when they fired Dusty or... I'm sorry, failed to renew his contract. Mike left too. Same thing. So he left too. So they got it. I don't know if that was intentional. But the thing about Lilliquist, um, the guy they just fired on Thursday night, 
was, you know, he, he didn't look like an asshole. He had an above average major league career as a pitcher. He uh, he was in the MLB as a pitcher for nine years and then went directly into major league coaching. And in fact, he was the pitching coach when the Cardinals won the World Series a few years back. I think that was 2011 or something. So, but in contrast, this new guy, Paul, Who has done nothing. Yeah, exactly. He was, the, he was a major league pitcher for only two years and only in like a relief position. And then he went instantly into coaching, but solely in the minor leagues. And so he has sat there in purgatory in the last 14 years. They're almost the same age, but he's been in the minor leagues the, as a pitching coordinator. Okay, go ahead. He has never been on a major league staff, but this article says, though, as if this was even worth Not as though, a manager, no. He was the pitching coach for the Class AA Harrisburg Senators Correct. in 2012 and 13. Yes. That's like when you go into a restaurant and they're like, we won the best chili in 2008. <laughs> And you're like, but it's not 2008. And now you're getting to and where he, I live. And, he, and you, which, and uh, you, whatever. You were the pitching coach in 2012 and 2013. So you were there for two years. What did? What have you been doing? Okay, you've been a minor league pitching coordinator. What the hell does that mean? Like you, you buy the apple, the apple juice packets. I don't know what you do. You you bring orange slices. I don't know to the what you do, pen, man. To the bullpen practice. Maybe he like put down the tarp when it rained. <laughs> so okay, well no, this is very. Let me. Uh, Maybe he's gonna be great, but the whole point is yeah. just to it's just to um, mm-hmm. throw some meat to the wolves. You know what I mean? Right. Like the the wolves are outside Nationals Park. They're hungry. They need to eat some. They need to eat something. So they're like, "All right, who who can we get rid of?" That sounds important. Okay, here is Paul in his first meeting with the media after his appointment. I'm gonna let them teach me how to be a big league pitching coach. To be honest with you, because they they've been doing oh. this for a long time. I'm gonna lean on them to and be available as often as possible for whatever they need. They're going to teach and me. And we'll go from there. Each day is going to be a learning experience for me. Uh, the, uh, I've got a pretty good grasp of the analytics side of, of baseball. I appreciate all the, the knowledge that that is given to I us on a daily spell basis. Pitch. We're going to incorporate that <laughs> with our advanced reports and get these guys as prepared as possible to, to go in there and compete. I'm a big believer in getting guys out as quickly as possible. Three or four pitches or oh, less. Really? I'm, I You're think the only one. That that's something that so we've got incredible. to uh, probably incorporate a little bit better is uh, attacking the zones and, and forcing people to hit the ball softly. A wise man told me that's the job of a pitcher, and it's something that I've tried to teach all of the pitching coaches <laughs> down in, in the minor leagues and, and moving them up to this level is don't lose that, that, that fight, that ability to, to uh, challenge hitters. So, uh, brilliant insights. We, we have to strike them out. A wise man told me we have to, pitchers have to strike out batters. Well, okay. I guess it's <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. it's so wonderful that let Leonardo da Vinci on his 500 year birthday and uh, <laughs> Aristotle and uh, all other I... geniuses came together in one man who has lived his entire life in the minor leagues. He could have led a children's school <laughs> choir singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. <laughs> and that would have been more informative than what he said. <laughs> like, if could have, on, one, two, on, three strikes, Come you're on, out. That, that's what he could have done. Because I have no idea what he said. 
related and maybe prompted by what just occurred on Thursday is the fact that a growing number of frustrated Nats fans have become a mob of torch-wielding vigilantes calling for Davy's head. Remember, get him alive if you can, but get him! Uh, search every ravine, every crevice, but the fiend must be found! And the whole town runs out. And that's kind of what's going on right now. The whole town's running out. It's like, Davy! Davy! I don't... Do they fire people in the middle of the season? It, it is not uh, unheard of. It's okay. rare. Uh, uh, Mike did it once since he's been here. I'm sure that that doesn't work. Like, to bring someone in once the team is already, like, going in the shit. I bet that's not a good idea. No, it's tough because who do you bring in? Who's available? Everybody's right. got a job or... Except does Dusty They're retired. Like, what are you going to bring Dusty again? Yeah, please. I mean, that would, would be a that. humiliation to the learners. I don't give a Every- shit. We should publicly humiliate them as much as possible. Okay. Put but them in stocks and I'm have just- people have people like <laughs> pelt things at them like outside Cabbages the Madison yeah. tent where they're like filming it's the just, Yeah, right, right. It's an episode of Game of Thrones. That, but- look, they would make a lot. If you, if you could pay money to like go and like throw a tomato at the learners family that are like all in stocks like a Renaissance fair, that would, they would sell way more money. They're, they're, they could pay bad. They could make so much money. They could make the hundred million. They don't even need Madison anymore. They could be scammed out of so much money. I mean, seriously, they should do that. That would be way better than pups in the park as a fundraising (laughs) initiative. (laughs) They need to bring me into their marketing team. Oh dear. My co-host is okay, in go rare form today. <laughs> she came here already. I guess okay, she, I, I don't care I, if we didn't get her uh, a portion of red meat this morning. So, <laughs> no, I didn't. They didn't ship me any of the requests. I didn't give get, her a I didn't raw get the cut venison. I wanted. So. Oh, well, the learners decide. It's not like Mike Rizzo gets to decide anything. His hands are tied, right? The learners get to make decisions about the coach. This is what we don't know. The learners. I don't, I would, like, I don't know if that... it's like a Wizard of Oz situation. Like, I just think like he's going into a thing and they're like, it's really dark. He doesn't even see a person. Oh, just, like, that's what I mean. Like, it's just a face in the oh, sky. Mr. Learner. That's what I think it is. It's like the Wizard of Oz, but like darker. It's not oh, Judy Garland Technicolor. So gotta do a whole skit on it's this. like it's just like <laughs> Mike step forward. Bring me the broom of the Phillies manager, and I will grant your wish. <laughs> That's what it is because yeah, we don't know what their relationship is, and I hope that whenever Nobody's Mike Rizzo, been here for years. When Mike Rizzo gets fired, which is inevitable, if he gets fired, I hope he writes a tell-all revealing book about like all the shit that he's gone through because I'm sure it's I'm been sure it's will. really good. I hope he does. He's that. younger than me. Believe I would ghostwrite it, like Mike. If you're listening, I will ghostwrite your tell-all. He might be. He might be. I hope please. he is. And I hope please, he's Mike. like, oh my god, I love these guys. Although you see firing something sig- as significant as a pitching coach or a batting coach is sort of a, um, a wake-up call to the, the head coach that you're next if, you, yeah, 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 if yeah, shit sure. doesn't change. 
in a very dramatic way. I know, but Dave already knows that. I mean, we're in fourth. Yeah, he knows that. He knows. Of course he does. We have a very special treat today, listeners. Broadcasting live from Nats Park. I'm very pleased to welcome our new gourmet food correspondent to the Cheap Seats team, Chef Joe. Joe is an award-winning chili cook and recognized expert in all forms of comfort, peasant, and concession foods. Over the course of this season, he will be exploring every corner of National Stadium in order to uncover the very best bets in both food and beverage. Thank you for joining us today, Joe. Well, I am thrilled to be here, Thad. Thank you so much for inviting me. I look forward to watching and eating with you. So uh, you are at the park today, uh, Skyping with us right from the National Stadium. We're uh, we're cozy here in our studio, but um, so as you look around, I, I you know I had this I had this question for you. The traditional park food, like the hot dogs and the pizza. Um, of course, National Stadium has a ton of that. Every stadium does. But mm-hmm. it, it appears like a handful of local upscale restaurants are trying to sort of muscle their way in to the concession food sector. Do you see this? Is it a trend? And do you think there'll be a um, bouillabaisse booth in our future? I don't know about if I'm bullish on bouillabaisse. Uh, but I have noted that there are couple of oyster bar options and some empanada options. And, uh, you know, of course, Nationals Park has always been known for the great beer selection they have, too. But um, to to have the option of fresh seafood, especially from a place like Hank's Oyster Bar, it, that's new and that's kind of exciting for uh, for the, the typical baseball park arena or uh, baseball park uh, experience. Well, I think a lot of people are going to enjoy that. Okay, and you know, and that would be one of my questions as well, because you're only, I don't know, what, 500 yards from the Anacostia River, and when somebody says, here's a bunch of fresh oysters, <laughs> just trust us on this one. I mean, maybe you can, I mean, that might be one. <laughs> I don't know what your review is going to be, but I'm just like, that's one thing that comes to mind, so... <laughs> But we're talking about Hank's Oyster Bar here, and I think that their oysters are all coming from uh, places like the Rappahannock River where, you know, there aren't dead bodies floating by. So I'm not too concerned about that. Okay, so uh, so you're going to be uh, tasting and reviewing uh, Hank's Oyster Bar for us today? Hank's Oyster Bar is, is the one that is, has caught my attention because it's such a well-known restaurant and it's such, you know, as they say, it's such a good get for Nationals Park to have uh, a seafood place like that come and hang out a shingle at Nationals Park. Okay, well, uh, let her rip then, Joe. Well, um, what Hanks is offering is a, a couple of different things. Um, you can get an, a fried oyster po' boy or a shrimp po' boy um, from their, from their regular menu, including that delicious coleslaw that goes with it. Uh, and they are also offering uh, French fries that are, that are uh, seasoned with Old Bay, which is a nice local touch. Um, or you can get fish and chips from them, too. So you've got three different fish options there. Not everybody likes oysters, 
Almost everybody likes shrimp, though, and almost everybody likes fish and chips, so they can appeal to a lot of different people. And um, I think, you know, Hank's is a good first one to do because it's very simple. I mean, this is not a complicated dish for a restaurant to do and prepare in advance. Um, in in the world of, of backroom cooking, I mean, you know, things that you can put in the deep fryer are, are many and several. Um, but doing oysters correctly and not turning them into little tiny hockey pucks, that's a bit of a skill. And so I'm, I'm interested to see how Hanks does in selling something like that in a ballpark type of environment as opposed to their regular restaurants. Well, that does, it does sound delicious, uh, especially compared to just your standard old hot dog or chicken finger. But uh, what do you think about the value in terms of the price to quality of the, the product? Well, I mean, that's, that's going to be hard to say because it, they're, they're asking a lot for it. I mean, this is, you know, I think they're going for 19 bucks for one of these guys. And that's, that's a little tough. Well, um, a hot dog is what, 11, 12? Yeah. So, you know, there's, <laughs> so, uh, you know it's just like if you're willing to pay, you know, just for a Hebrew national, you're willing to pay $11 and $10 for a beer, maybe for something a little better. I don't know. What do you you're think? Already pretty, you're already pretty well softened up. Yeah. You know, if, if somebody's hitting you 19 bucks for, uh, you know, for, for essentially a fish sandwich, um, you know, or a basket of fish and, and chips, you know, yeah, you might go for it. I mean, the credit card has already been out of the wallet and is already getting exhausted by the time you get around to ordering some kind of real food to eat. So, yeah, you might have a shot at it there. I think they'll be popular. Um, I think that they will sell a lot of them because one thing about about sort of more advanced or more sophisticated or just more special food at the ballpark is it tends to make you feel a little bit better about the beer you're drinking. Um, <laughs> okay. Do, do you want to, do you want to uh, segue? Is that your segue into what you're going to watch that down with? It's not really a segue. It's just, you know, it's just sort of an observation. If you, you know, if you tell yourself that you've just eaten seafood, um, you know, no, it doesn't matter that it, it came out of the deep fryer and it, that it was accompanied by, you know, two cups of French fries. Um, you feel better about yourself than if you just snarf down a slice of pizza or a, a great big hot dog. Okay. But I think there's a there's a little bit of you know, shall we say, snob appeal here to to eating something like that as opposed to eating the lesser fare like the Hebrew national hot dogs. And I'm a, and I and I have to go on record by saying that. Um, as a, as a native New Yorker, I grew up eating a lot of Hebrew nationals and a lot of Nathan's hot dogs, and I've always been more partial than Nathan's, frankly. Okay, so so, so let's move on to beverage. So what are you going to wash down one of these uh, uh, Hank uh, pull boys with? Well, for something like that, you want to stick to something that's a little lighter. Okay. Um, I tend to go more towards... Um, yeah, I mean, so you would say, are you putting a, like chili sauce on top of that, on top of that shrimp or oyster pool boy? Are you, are you like, are you, are you eating it hot? It's fried, right? It's, it's hot and it's fried and, okay. and there's, but they're serving it with coleslaw too. Okay. Um, 
So some people will probably put the coleslaw right on the sandwich, and some people will eat the coleslaw on the side. But either way, when you've, when you've got something lightly flavored like that, you're going to want to go for a lighter beer. Um, and there's plenty of options around there. I know that Stella Artois is now at the, at the ballpark. It is District indeed. Draft, District Drafts has some good things. Um, there's Goose IPA. Oh, yeah. uh, always yeah. a good choice. Goose Summer is always a good choice. Something a little uh, a little less sweet, uh, like a Belgian. Uh, you can find that shock top is around there. That those are going to be good choices with a with a seafood type entree, like uh, like a po' boy of shrimp or an oyster po' boy. So, any uh, general observations you want to make about uh, park food or weather? You know, and just uh, food in in general in the concession sector. I, you know, I would just say that uh, I, the food that you can get pretty much at any ballpark um, these days is a lot better than it used to be, and it's it's improved because they are much more careful in the kitchen uh, about keeping things frozen. They are much more. Um, they're much more able to produce things and not have them sit quite as long as they used to do. So you're getting a fresher product. No matter what you're getting at the ballpark these days, you're getting more or less a fresher product than you would have, say, 20 years ago. That's, I think, a, a, a pretty big deal um, for a lot of, of ballpark food is that they are much more careful um, you're much less likely to have any kind of problems from it because their holding temperatures are 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 uh, are more strictly enforced and things like that. I mean, when I was a kid going to ball games at Shea Stadium, you know, and you were getting a hot dog. I mean, that thing might have been spinning around on the hot dog cooker for three hours. Yikes! And nobody cared. They just wanted to get rid of it. So you took your life in your hands to get a hot dog late in the game. Well, that's not really true anymore. They're much, they're much, much more careful, um, and that's that's good news for everybody. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, so I'm um, Bernice is saying she has a question. Chef Joe, given your obvious expertise in concession food, I was curious if you could describe how to make a grilled cheese sandwich. I I don't like your tone, Bernice. <laughs> I like that. I don't like your tone. And next time you ask me a question like that, Bernice. I may come over there and rewire you into a toaster oven. Touche, Chef Joe. Finally a worthy opponent, unlike my D-bag employers. Thank you very much, Chef Joe, for joining us, and I hope you will continue to be with us throughout the season. And we really appreciate you showing up and going out to uh, Nance Park and checking out the food, and uh, we look forward to many of these in the future. Well, I'm just happy to be here, Thad. Uh, hope I can help the team. <laughs> We've got to take it one meal at a time. And good Lord willing, things will work out. Well said. Okay, listeners, Chef Joe! Awesome! So that's it for this episode, everyone. Thank you again to our gourmet food correspondent, Chef Joe. And I just want to remind our listeners that we are available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, as well as many of your favorite player apps. Please follow us on Twitter at, at the Cheap Seats, and you can reach us by email 
at thecheapseatsdc at gmail.com. Every single response will be entered into a sweepstakes for a wonderful T-shirt. So, see you next time on From the Cheap Seats. Oh, yeah. Take me.